This podcast is sponsored by Tell2App.com. Welcome to The Life of a Networker. On this podcast, we are featuring industry leaders from the network marketing profession to share with you the stories, inspiration, and leadership. Now, here is global business developer, leader in authentic sharing technology, your host, Mr. Mike Fedick. What's up, guys? How are you? It's Mike Fedick here, The Life of a Networker. Our podcast is in uh, a very good hands today, let me tell you. We are, um, we are fortunate. Uh, we're with a gentleman who um, has created a lot of success in the industry. After a couple decades of doing something, uh, you definitely, one, master your skill, but two, uh, what I love most about Matt Morris is more than anything, I'm looking at him right now as we're doing this in our Zoom rooms here, and they, he's got accolades all behind his head there, trophies and stuff, and I know he'll tell you right up front that's not because of him, right? It's because he has helped a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, not just make six figures, but make millions and millions of dollars, and uh, I'm excited because um, I got to know him a couple years ago. We've been back and forth a few times, but I admire what he does, his hard work, and his mentor, uh, one of his sponsors, mentors, uh, told me yesterday that he is the hardest working and best networker that this guy's ever met, and this guy's met some good ones. So, in the studio today with us, Matt Morris, thanks so much for joining us. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. And uh, so let's just start, man, with what's always great is where were you uh, early on before network marketing? What were you doing? And how did you get introduced? Because I know it wasn't Facebook two decades ago. <laughs> I, wasn't, I know it wasn't Instagram or Clubhouse. Tell us a little bit about where you come from, who you are, and uh, how you got into this great profession. Yeah, for sure. I was actually, uh, I, I've been in network marketing my entire adult life. I'm 44 now. I got started at 18 and uh, I was working, I was in college. I was working as a banquet waiter and minimum wage. And I still remember the banquet actually. It was at uh, like a Hyatt hotel in Austin, Texas. And I'm, you know, serving this banquet. Right. And so we're like, handing out the appetizers and dinner and dessert and all this. And there was this cute waitress who kept initiating conversation, right? And I'm like, you know, trying to initiate conversation back. I'm like an 18-year-old kid, you know, so I'm like excited. And, you know, she's like super personable and we're standing in the back. I still remember it. I'm like, I remember standing like right by the, uh, the food uh, tray and she says, hey, do you ever think about being in business for yourself? And I, you know, I want to build rapport with her. And so I'm like, all the time. And so she says, well, why don't you write your number down and we'll talk business sometime? And I'm like, "That's great. I'd love to talk business. So I, uh, I give her my number and I'm like so excited because I'm like, oh, she is so into me, <laughs> right? <laughs> And um, which was like rare for me, you know, I'm like, normally I've got to be the aggressor. And this girl is like, she's the aggressor. Right. So she calls me a day or two later and uh, she's like, hey, remember from the other night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, well, hey, I thought I'd invite you to meet me up at the Hilton Hotel uh, tomorrow night about seven o'clock and we can talk business. I'm like. <laughs> Meet at a hotel. Okay. Hotel night business. I'm in. Oh, that's uh, great. So anyway, I'm thinking I'm gonna go and we're gonna have like drinks or whatever at the bar. And 
you know, she, I get there, she meets me in the lobby and she's like, Hey, let me introduce you to some of my colleagues. And I'm like, I don't want to meet any damn colleagues. Yeah. I go into a presentation room. Everyone's wearing a suit and tie and she like walks me right up to the front row, sits me down. There's a whiteboard and I'm like, what did I get myself into? But I'm like open-minded and I'm hungry because I'm broke, like so broke. And this guy gets on the board and he starts drawing circles, you know, you sponsor six, who sponsors four, who sponsors two, and you're a director and like, you know, so I had never heard of anything like it. And so I'm like, all right, I didn't get what I came for, but this is amazing. And I still remember going back to my, uh, my little one bedroom apartment and thinking, I can't believe they're the only company that does this. Like, I thought they were the only one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I came back the next week and I signed up and I, I still remember it was her upline. And he's like, all you have to do is get six. It's easy, man. <laughs> and uh, that's what got me. I was like, oh, it's easy. Okay, cool. And then, of course, I realized it's not so easy. And, right, uh, right. No success. But. Well, listen, that so far of all my interviews on this wonderful podcast, The Life of a Networker, that is the best uh, story of how someone got in uh, to network marketing. And yeah, just so many things you said I could relate to. Number one, I was 18 years old when someone introduced me. Um, he wasn't as good looking, I'm sure, as that gal there. He was my assistant principal in high school. And he came up to me and he asked me the same thing. And I thought to myself, he asked me to come out to a meeting. And I thought to myself, well, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. But if I go to that meeting, it'll buy me some passes in case I get in trouble or something. If I'm late for school, you know, I'll be on this guy's good side. So that was kind of my approach to, to come out to it. But, uh, well, that's a great story, man. And so 18 years old, you get started with this company. Guy says, go out and get six. But tell us a little bit of what that, that those first couple year journeys were. You know, there's so many. Because on this podcast, this is what I tell people is, and you know this, is we got two groups that are always listening. We got the new people that are struggling or brand new, they don't know anything yet, but the six month to a year person, they're, they're plugging into events, they're trying, they're on the calls, they're doing the deal, but the check's just not coming in yet. And then we've got, you know, of course, the most successful people, the million dollar people on here. But let's talk first to the group out there who, who is struggling and you're just getting started. What are some things that that you did that now you know weren't smart to do or that you could, <laughs> you could go back and fix, which I'm sure is a lot. And then maybe for a new person today with what you know, what are some things they could do right away now to, to kind of turn their business around and get a little bit of momentum? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just to summarize it, my first two years, I was with that company for two years. And in two years, I sponsored three people, uh, two of which I paid for to get in. <laughs> One was my mom. I never even told her she was in. Like, I didn't have the courage to even tell her. And the one guy who did enroll was a waiter friend of mine. He had actually been drinking before the presentation. He was a little tipsy. He, he came, he signed up, and then I never saw him again. So, it, you know, two years later, I've got one person in my group. It's me. And I'll tell you, like, I, I was so uncoachable. They said, you know, make a list of everyone, you know, who do you know that's like ambitious and successful? And I did the exact opposite. I was like, all right, who is the most non-intimidating person that I could call? (laughs) Um, Who and like, I'm not calling the people who are ambitious because I had so much fear, like fear of the phone, fear of rejection. And, I, you know, I just 
like I would literally, like I wouldn't call my friends and they would talk about contacting and inviting, right? And they'd talk about, you know, going to the malls and grocery stores and all this. And so I would go to like the bad part of town and I'd go to their grocery store because I felt like maybe I'd be a little less intimidated to meet people in like the slum area of town, right? And I'd walk around the grocery store for an hour and get no numbers, right? Because I won't even like contact people who like can barely speak English, you know? (laughs) Um, and it was just like, it was uh, an interesting thing, but you know, here's what happened though. In those two years, like if there's one thing I did right, it was, I kind of got hooked on personal development. So she gave me, and there's, you know, two, two, uh, one quick lesson that we just talked about is, um, I've sponsored so many people over the years, just asking them, have you ever thought about being in business for yourself? Um, you know, so I got that out of it. And then two, she gave me a copy of Think and Grow Rich. And when I, the day I signed up, she gave me Think and Grow Rich. And, uh, you know, that's been one of the things that I've done along the years is like getting people in is getting them to get into personal development because that's the only thing that had me stick it out. And so I read that book and it said at the beginning of the book, it said, Uh, within this book lies the secret to success. And I'm like, awesome. I want to be successful. I had never heard of personal development before. I like, I'm all in because I grew up with a single mom working two and three jobs to work her way through college on food stamps. I was the kid with the, you know, free lunch pass in school. So we never had money growing up. So I was hungry. Like I wanted to make a lot of money, super hungry, lots of desire. And so excited to read this book. So I read the whole book. And I, at the end of the book, I'm like, it never told me the secret. It never said the secret of success is this. And so I was like, crap, I must've been daydreaming. You know how you read like a full page and then you don't uh, like, you don't remember what you read. I was like, all right, let me read it again. So I read the entire book a second time with a highlighter, like specifically looking for the word secret of success, right? (laughs) So I like scour the book. I like pay attention to every line. I read the whole thing and it never says the secret of success is this. And I'm like, is he lying? (laughs) And then I'm like, well, maybe I have to determine that for myself. So I read the book a third time. And the third time I was looking for commonalities because the book talks about so many different success stories and like what was the key. And what I got out of it was that all of these hugely successful people profiled in the book went through huge challenges. Um, They had major setbacks. Like most people would look at what they went through and think there's no way they're ever going to make it. And they did. Why did they make it? And here's what I got. Like when I finished the book a third time, I got this and I've held on to this for 25 years is the secret of success is really one word and it's just determination. If you will just keep going, eventually you'll figure it out. You'll win if you just keep going. And, you know, you kind of said it in the beginning, like the awards and the accolades and $50 million earners plus in my group and all that, like, that's not me. That's just, if you do something long enough, you're going to figure it out, you you know? And that's, that's my advice to the networker who's struggling because it took me five years to get to a full-time income. And had I not read Think and Grow Rich, had I not figured out that for me, the secret of success is determination, I wouldn't have made it. But I just kept like, as much as frustrating as it was, I was like, eventually I'll win. 
And I'll tell you, like, it was hard, no doubt about it, like frustrated, pissed off at myself, like feeling like I'm banging my head against a wall month after month, year after year. Like I just can't make it work. So feeling defeated, seeing other people who had joined after me pass me up. And I'm looking at them going, what is it that they have that I don't, right? I mean, comparison is the thief of joy, right? And it was just like so infuriating. And if you're, if, you know, if you're listening to me right now and you feel any of those feelings, understand that that's part of the game. And here's what I like eventually got to. Like I finally got to a, a full-time income, six figures, million dollars, all that. And it's like this. Um, you can't, here's what I believe. And what I like, when it comes to mentorship, like I believe what great mentors do is they teach you how to think. So there's lots of tactics and we could go through tons of tactics, right? But if tactics were enough, we'd all be rich, skinny, and happy, right? The reason we don't have six-pack abs is because we don't know the tactics to get six-pack abs. It's the mental process. It's the dedication. It's the commitment. It's the uh, programming. It's the thoughts. Like it's all those things. And so a belief that I adopted was that I have to get good. There's no way I can't not get good. And so that's like my big message is you can't not get good. You have to get good if you'll go out and do it. So you may be take playing the piano. You may be the worst piano player you may have never played in your life. But if you were to practice playing the piano two hours a day and you had a coach teaching you how to play, heck, even if you followed an app, they have apps now that'll teach you how to play. If you did that two hours a day, at the end of a year, you're going to be able to play some songs. Two, three years of doing it a couple hours a day, you're going to get good. You can't not get good. It's impossible. And so that's the thing. If, if, <laughs> that's the big word, if you will just do it, you'll get good. And so I think a lot of people are like me in the early years is like, maybe I'll ne- like, maybe I'll never get good. No, right. you have to. Like it defies the laws of nature. You can't suck forever. If you're doing the work and the biggest mistake that I made was not doing enough effort, not talking to enough people. I mean, literally for like five years, I would like call some people here and there. I'd like buy lead lists and all this stuff where there's like less intimidation. And finally, (laughs) after five years, I finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. Like, I'm tired of the struggle. Like I've done the personal development. I've read the books. I've attended the seminars. I just haven't done the work. Like if I'm honest with myself, I haven't thrown my heart into it. I've been dipping my toe in the water. And so I finally decided, you know, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to make a list of 300 people. And this is before social media uh, and anything like that. And I just went crazy with it. And I did more work in 90 days than I had done in the last probably two years, more presentations in 90 days than I'd done in the last couple of years, got rejected more in 90 days than I had in the last couple of years. And what was amazing is I got kind of good. I was like, wow, I'm, I've like figured it out. And I remember my mentor at the time was a million dollar earner, um, had made, you know, already made millions of dollars. He was about 10 years older than me. Everything going on. People would hang on every word, amazing closer. And I looked at him like on a scale of one to 10, he was a 10. 
nice. like who I would want to be. Right. And yeah. I looked at me and if I had to rate myself, I'd be like, all right, I'm like a three or a four. If I'm generous <laughs> a four, cause I, so many people think, you know, you need credibility and all this. Well, after doing network marketing for five years, not having success, it wasn't that I had no credibility. I had bad credibility. Like people knew I was in a bunch of different deals. <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm like, all right, he's a 10, I'm a four. How can I make as much money as him? Work three times harder. If I'll work three to four times as hard as he does and talk to three to four times more people, I can have as much success as him. And so that was, you know, what I did. It was Jim Rohn's building your network marketing business. And he talked about if someone's a 10 and you're a one, you still win yeah, if you yeah. work 10 times harder. And in the process of working so much harder, I started getting the skills. And I think there's an art and science to network marketing. Like the science is easy. You can read books, you can learn the tactics. There's no shortage of courses out there. That's not so hard to get. The hard part to get in network marketing is the art. And the only way to get the art and the art is knowing, you know, what to say at the right time what to say to the right person at the right time, your voice inflections, it's reading people's body language, it's all of those things you only get by doing. That's true. And, you know, eventually you get your 10,000 hours in and you become pretty good. And you end up, if you're, if you're willing, like for me, it's a numbers game. Like not to say that you shouldn't get good, and you shouldn't follow the right systems. You should do all those things. You should be an amazing leader, but none of that works if you don't do the numbers. And what I finally got to is like, wow, if I'll just do the numbers, it'll work out. Even if my law of averages aren't really good, they'll still work out. I think it was, uh, gosh, I can't remember. Larry Thompson, he had a training. I think it was called Sinaloa, Safety in Numbers and Law of Averages. Nice, yeah. And so I, uh, I just literally what had me eventually win was really doing the numbers. Well, man, I, you know, you said so many great things and, and it's, it's so true. You know, I, I deal a lot now on, on, on um, communicating with, with owners of companies and corporate people. And, you know, what's funny is, is, is when I sell a software and sometimes the thing I say to them is I just say, you know, listen, at the end of the day, no matter how good your company is, no matter how great your products are, no matter how great your corporate team is, would you agree that without activity, no product or service is ever sold in your company and nobody's ever recruited? So like what you're saying is what good is, and you need all the other stuff. You need a good company, good comp plan, good products, all that. But what good is all that if somebody's not going to go do the activity to generate the people to come into all that good stuff? Yeah, you got it. That's it. I mean, I've, I've said for years, the formula for success is pretty simple. It's only three things. And so number one is the financial vehicle. If you're in network marketing, you, you have an amazing financial vehicle. The reason why most people don't become wealthy, it's not because they don't work hard or get good. It's because they don't get involved in an opportunity that at least al even allows them to become wealthy. Like being whatever it is, most jobs working for someone else, you can't become a millionaire. It's impossible. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how... Um, you know, hard you work, you're never going to become a millionaire. So number one is financial vehicle. And so it's your financial vehicle multiplied by your effort, multiplied by your skill. And so you got the financial vehicle. The only two things you got to focus on is how good are you willing to get and how hard are you willing to work? And if you'll get good and work hard, you're going to win. Yeah, man, that's, that's so true. And you know, the other, the, the thing that, that people always see a lot of times, right, is 
is they see you now, right? They see the, I see the, you know, the rewards behind you, behind you there and all of that. And, and to hear that, that it took you five years, right? I mean, for the listeners out there, especially those that are six months in and, you, you know, even a year or two in, right? I think that that's the mark, that one to three year is when a lot of people just get discouraged. They want to give up. They want to quit. But you're hearing it right here, guys. You're hearing somebody who um, has created uh, success, not just for himself, but for so many others uh, by staying uh, focused and determination, like he said, and get hooked on personal development, right? And, and if, if anything, if anything, at least getting hooked on personal development, no matter if you do network marketing or not, whatever you go into in your life, you're going to be better at because you're doing personal development. I think it's so creative. So let's fast forward now because this is what I love. There's This is no uh, no FTC regulations on my podcast. We can talk money. We can, we can brag a little bit uh, because there is a group out there who get inspired by when you do make it, the things that you're able to do. And so when you hit the home run, the big home run, which I always say is the, you know, 50 grand a month, 60, 70, and eventually get into that 100,000 stuff. What are some cool things you've done with the money that you've bought? Some maybe things for your parents, your kids or surprises. So, so just ramble a few great things that when money started coming in, you were able to do. Yeah, you know, it was uh, an amazing experience. Like getting to 50,000 a month, I think was the first real benchmark. It was like, holy crap, I got more money than I can spend. And um Love it. And, uh, you know, and then it got up to 100 and then over 200 and, uh, you know, got to be really, really fun. But, you know, for me, it's uh, it's more of the adventure. Like I bought um, after I got to a little over 50,000 a month, I went and got a Ferrari and I had always wanted an exotic car and always wanted a Ferrari. You know, a lot of us grew up and we had that, uh, yeah. you know, poster on the wall that had like this <laughs> big, amazing home. It was like an eight car garage with a Ferrari and Lamborghini. You probably yeah. remember the one, right? I had a few so of them. I had yeah. that image in my mind for the longest time. And so I, you know, buy a Ferrari. And it was kind of cool. Like, you you know, getting gas and people are always coming up like, hey, what do you do? And it's a good sponsoring tool that motivated the team. But here's what I got is it was really kind of an empty calorie goal. And, and I don't say that to like discount it. Um, if you're a car guy, if, like I wasn't really a car guy, you know, like I just wanted the significance of the car. If you're a car guy, man, go get your cars. Right. right, right. But for me, it was like this, like high initially, but then I, I don't know. It was like, it doesn't motivate me. Like I'm not going to go work super hard to go buy another Ferrari, like the way I'm wired. And so for me, like the things that are the most rewarding have been the experiences. I've been, you know, blessed to travel to 82 countries now. Uh, one year, I, I went to 27 countries in one year. I love travel. Like I love seeing the world. And so, you know, it's like walking around the Maldives and Bora Bora and scuba diving with the sharks and uh, my mom, I was able to take her for 65th birthday. I said, and I had already, we had done trips before mother son trips. And I, uh, the last one had been to New York for mother's day, I think. And, uh, for her birthday, I, uh, it was a card and it was like, pick any place in the world that you want to go and I'll take you there. Oh, and so she got it. She was like, Oh, thank you. Let's go. Let's go back to New York. I go, mom, we're not going to New York. Where's your dream location? Where have you always wanted to go? Any place in the world, any place. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I've always wanted to go to Machu Picchu. And she shrugged her shoulders like that's too much to ask. Yeah. Right. 
And I said, done, we're going. So I, uh, you know, we spent nine days, just me and her traveled all across Peru. I found the most expensive hotels I could find, the most expensive resorts. We stayed at uh, the only resort overlooking Machu Picchu, the Sanctuary Lodge. It's like a thousand dollars a night. And of course she's, you know, it's like, oh my God, you're the best son in the world. <laughs> you know, that was uh, one of the biggest highlights, being able to take, uh, you know, 14 of my buddies, we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro together. And that was oh, just cool. this like amazing, epic adventure. And so that's been the biggest thing, um, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, having investments that will earn you a full-time income. That's really cool. Just like the security of knowing that your financial future is totally set. Um, you know, all that's great, but, uh, for me, it's the peak life experiences. You know, we got, we're at the end of our life. I think we're going to remember more the experiences that we had than the things that we had. And so I make a big commitment to making sure my life is really filled with adventure. Man, you, you, you're so on. I got the goosebumps when you, uh, when you said that, you know, you took her to all the best hotels and stuff because, you know, my, me and my mom are so close and it's, 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 it will happen for that. And, uh, the same type of thing is I, I love the idea of what you did. And I think it's funny how our parents, so they're, they're, a lot of them are just, they're so humble and laid back, you know, like she said, let's just go to New York again. You're like, mom, anywhere in the world, you want to go to New York again. But that's so awesome. Man. And I agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, the experiences is what it's all about. We were just talking before the interview and you asked me, you know, why do I love Mexico so much? We've lived here now almost three years. And and really, it's 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 the experiences. Every day, it's something new. It's something fun. And and man, I you know I had all the car, the fancy cars, and the dreams of all that kind of stuff. And now I laugh at it. Like I just posted on Facebook. Um, I was like, it looks like a lot of my friends are in the uh, modeling of watch business now because every time they take a picture, they make sure that the, the picture's <laughs> like this. And and it's been lately, like the last couple of weeks, I've seen like four or five people continue to do it. And I'm just like, I shake my head now because I was like, man, I've been there. I know what that feels yeah. like to want yeah. that. And now I laugh. I'm like man, I would much rather do something for people and experiences. So I'm with you. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's kind of move direction a little bit and, and talk about uh, something that, that we just mentioned here briefly, but so many people in the industry and you see it every day. I mean, just something, you know, something crosses that, you know, that most people don't keep their money. It's very much like the NFL, the NBA, right? Network marketing is a lot like sports. And most people who get to that six figures and six figures a month, in a couple of years, it's gone, especially if that yep. company's done, they moved to another deal. What are some things that you, you've learned or you've been able to do financially? Like you said, you've set yourself up that if network marketing was done, if your coaching was done, if all that was done, you're still okay. You can pay your bills with your investments. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a, a huge lesson that I learned. And this may, it may go back to being a kid, not having a lot of money and almost always having a thing in the back of my mind. In some case, in some ways, I've thought maybe this is not a good thing. But I've always kind of had it in the back of my mind, like, well, what if the money stops? I need to, you know, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. And so that's the biggest advice. I've seen so many people in my group have, I've just seen them waste their money, like spend $400,000 on a Rolls Royce. When, you know, you make a million a year, yeah, but you spend 400000 on a car? It's ridiculous. Now, this is coming from a guy who bought a Ferrari, but I bought the Ferrari like eight years old. No one knew it was eight years old and I sold it. I drove it for four years. I sold it for $9,000 less than what I paid for it. From a percentage wise, it was the cheapest car I ever owned. 
So if you're going to buy the Ferrari, like if you're making big money, it's okay. Buy it. Like you can buy it for you. I bought it as much for my team as I did for me. And it did like it motivated the young guys. I remember being 18, going to my first MLM convention and my upline, like a double diamond guy, right? He had his Dodge Viper parked in the, in the, uh, in the auditorium. And that motivated the heck out of me, right? And so I'm cool if you want to do it. And, and I've had my leaders come to me over the years and like, hey, I want to buy a Lamborghini. And I'm like, well, you're making a million dollars a year. It's, it would be cool to buy a Lamborghini, but buy it five, six, seven, eight years old. And then they're like, okay, thanks. What do they do? They go buy a brand new one. And you know, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it depreciates 20%. Like, be smart with your money because it may not continue forever. I've had to rebuild multiple times, unfortunately. And so, um, you know, it, it's living below your means. It's taking at least like a bare minimum, 20% of your income and putting it into investments. And, you know, I've done some things that have been uh, really smart and I've done some things that weren't so smart. I, you know, invested in, uh, private equity, you know, investments where it was like, oh, you're going to make a hundred times return on your money. So I'm like, oh, all right, let me put a couple hundred thousand dollars here. And uh, I mean, one year, I think I put uh, like three hundred, four, four, four to $500,000 in pretty risky investments. And I lost all of it. Wow. I lost all of it. <laughs> so um, what's worked for me investment wise, number one, live below your means, like way below your means. And uh, you know, I had a company fall out from me when I was, you know, my first two, first two years that I made it, right? Um, after five years, I, I built a team of 10,000 people in two years and the company went under. And that was like, for me, that was the lesson. And I had, I was like in desperation mode and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to make this mistake again. I'm going to save the majority of my income. I mean, there's times where I'll like save 70% of my income and live on 30%. So wow. that's the biggest advice, like, um, is that like investing in real estate, be smart about real estate investments, um, you know, have some rental homes that just every month, uh, you know, the mortgage gets paid down a little bit more. Uh, the value goes up, every, you know, cash flows every month have done multifamily uh, apartment investing have, you know, those have gone really well, have put a lot of money into really safe, boring uh, life insurance type investments. It grows five to five and a half percent a year. Um, every single day, I'm richer. Every day, I'm richer than I was the day before because I've put a couple million dollars there and it's like, it just keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing. So, um, you know, it's okay to do some of the risky stuff. Um, just have that be a small part of your portfolio. Yeah. Well, that's so great. And I, and I agree with you so much because I, um, just recently started a bank on myself account, which is, uh, which is great. It only, it earns like five, 5.2% 5 interest, but for 130 years, it's never made more or less. It's literally yep, that's it. yeah. and you can borrow exactly. from any time. I mean, in 24 hours, I can get my money. There's no penalty and I still make interest on the principal as long as I pay it back. So yep. I'm with you on those simple, safe 
uh, investments first. And then, you know, as you start to make money, get a little bit more risky and stuff. And uh, for those that are listening, do not get risky at 500,000 like Matt. He's helping you not make that mistake again. Do not do it. Do not do it. Listen, let's wrap up, man. We spent some great time together. I mean, we could talk for hours and and, I greatly appreciate you, but let's have some fun. I'll ramble off some fun questions for you. You just fire off one, two answers at a time, whatever fits for you. If you don't know, you can say skip it, but uh, we'll start with, you know, favorite country you've been to a lot of them but what's what's one of your top favorite countries you don't mind going back to oh man uh so hard but uh italy for the amalfi coast uh the food the people italy's amazing awesome and uh how about movie one of your favorite movies um let's see you know, for years, I don't know that I have one anymore. For years, it was Wall Street, the original Wall Street. Uh-huh. It was the hunger in um, uh, Charlie Sheen. I forget his name in the movie now, but I watched it over and over and over. And it was like that hunger, that drive. Uh, you know, I think his uh, ethics were a little questionable, but uh, what I got out of it was just the hustle. Nice. If you got to go and be bad and have fast food, which is not good for all of our listeners, but if you just want to have some fun with the kids and get fast food, where are you guys going? Let's uh, water burger. Ah, I love it. I love <laughs> it. That's a different one. Good yeah. stuff. And um, and for for your for your kids, uh, one of the things that I, I did want to mention uh, for for those that are listening, we'll wrap up with this. Um, it's, it's just just the balance, you know, and then really not, I don't even know if balance is the word because people have all different kinds of things, but you're raising children, you're building a business and we'll end with this right here. Um, but, but what is it? Because so many people use it as the excuse rather than maybe the reason why or the reason of getting on a schedule and figuring things out. How have you managed to build what you've built with raising kids? Yeah. I mean, number one, don't let your why become your why not. You know, they use kids as an excuse. And, you know, if I think about the times when I've had to, you know, uh, I built the first time before I had kids. And I'll be honest, it's easier to build without kids because, <laughs> you know, what else do you have to do but work 16 hours a day? Like, if you don't have kids, what else do you do? Like, work 16 hours a day, go get rich, go become a millionaire. Um, when you have kids, you got to balance it a little bit, right? Um, but I'll tell you, it, in um, in the beginning, when you're making a run, there's going to be times where you're just going to miss out. Like, you know, I, I, there's been times where my kids sometimes are sad, like, daddy, do you have to do another meeting? Um, and I do, right. Because that's what allows for the lifestyle that we have. And, um, and here's the thing is like where I'm at now, I'm blessed to be able to spend as much time as I want with them. Right. I mean, we can like, because I've sacrificed in the past, um, and given up some time now I can spend pretty much as much time as I want. Right. I mean, I still go to events and stuff like that, but, um, number one is like, even if, and I'm still busy, right. I've got my own training company, have an organization growing like crazy in 40 plus countries. Like I'm still really busy, but when I'm with the kids, I try to be super present, right. I want to be super daddy. Like I have a thing in my mind, like I just turn on super daddy (laughs) and hopefully that doesn't sound egotistical. It's just what I tell myself. So it's like when my zoom is over, and it's time to go play with the kids. I just think super daddy. And so I'm like, I jump in the room. I'm like, all right, kids, let's go to the park. Everyone get your clothes out. And, and they're like, whoo, you know, like I just going to be fun and adventurous and like create memories and, you know, do exciting things with them. Even if you can't spend as much time with as you want with it, make it quality time. 
And one of the things that I, I had someone teach me, and this really helps if, if you're parents, it's stringing pearls. And so if you're going to have to be working really hard for the next you know, couple of weeks, um, like talk about something cool you're going to do uh, at the end of those two weeks. Like, hey, we're going to go to like, we've been all over the world, right? My kids have been to like super fancy resorts and uh, they love like one of their favorite places is this, uh, gosh, what is it called? Uh, Yogi, uh, it's like a Yogi Berra, Yogi Park, right? And oh, I, don't know why I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, but it's like cheap. Uh, you know, it's like uh, glamping basically, but they love it. Right. And so you don't have to out, like, it's not like you have to be super extravagant, but uh, like, Hey, we're going to go do this. And so as I'm like working over the next two weeks and not around as much as I want to be, I'm talking about, Hey, you excited about going camping? Yeah. 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 So it's like giving them something to look forward to. And uh, so it's like stringing those pearls along, like we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. And so they always have like something fun in the future in their mind. Uh, so that's one. And then two, and, and the other thing I want to talk about is just like me growing up, I had a mom who worked, uh, you know, a couple jobs. She went to law school. There was a lot of time where she wasn't around. Like she was having to work evenings. She was having to study. She was like, she just couldn't be there very often. And as a kid, I kind of like was frustrated about that. Cause I would see like my friend's parents who, you know, they were around a lot, like they worked the normal nine to five and then they were always home in the evening. And I kind of envied that in a way, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you what it did for me. Like my mom went like, there was crazy drama. Um, my mom and dad divorced. My dad murdered her boyfriend, uh, went to prison, like lots of crazy stuff, but she pursued her dreams. She wanted to be an attorney. And so she worked her way through college. She worked her way through law school. She graduated law school when I got into high school wow. and went on to become a judge. She retired as a judge. And so, yeah, mom wasn't around as much as I wanted to, but you know what she gave me, which was more powerful than sitting and watching TV with her was inspiration. Like she gave me the inspiration to go after my dreams because I saw her going after hers. And, you know, I think in so many cases, parents go from grown-ups to given-ups, right? And the kids follow in the footsteps of their parents. Like kids are often mirrors, like they follow in the footsteps of their parents. And so part of my calling, my mission, my purpose in life is to be a hero to my kids, to show them success, to show them what it means to not just make money, but to be super daddy, to be able to impact the lives of other people. Um, to go do big things. And so, um, you know, tough to do big things if you're, you know, <laughs> there all the time. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I, uh, that's so great. And thank you for sharing that about your mom. It's, uh, it's inspiring to, to everyone out there listening to, especially the single moms out there that may be in that situation right now um, to go and continue to do what you're doing and, and build yourself a business, build yourself something that you can reflect back on and know you gave it your all and your family is proud of you, your kids are proud of you. And, and, uh, and so Matt Morris, thank you, my friend, for joining us. The life of a networker is honored to have you. And, and uh, we're excited about the future. And for those uh, that uh, want to follow Matt, just you can follow him all, through, all over the place, Instagram, Facebook, all those good stuff. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing is that um, this gentleman uh, does have the work ethic. He does have the heart of a, of a champion. And you've heard that in this interview. So again, my friend, thank you so much. And we appreciate you. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Life of a Networker. We really hope you have gotten some inspiration or value from listening to our show. For more info or to reach out, visit us at thelifeofanetworker.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Tell2 app, powered by RapidFunnel. It's not just another app. It's an entirely new technology category. The Tell2 app gives you a genuine way to build real relationships with your customers and get quality referrals with less work from you. Go to tell2app.com and build your brand, your way, and tell your story better.